<laughs> okay, so text one, chapter eight, attaining the supreme. So we have a Sanskrit reader in the house. It'd be good if you were able to read the Sanskrit part of it. Yeah. Okay, you come and read the Sanskrit. <laughs> <laughs> Arjun Vacha Kim Tahamja Kim Tatyam Kim Karma Purshotam Adi Bhutamcha Kim Prokti Madhari Daivam Ki Muchate. What does Purushatam mean? Sorry? Purushatam. Purushatam. Oh, yeah. I know it's. Purushatam, what does it mean? Purusha. Purushatam. Purusha. Purushatam. Purushatam. Yeah. Means Krishna. Yeah. yeah. But specifically. Purusha means person, right? Yeah, Purusha, yeah. yeah. Men. Tama. It's like Uttama. Uttam. Yeah. Doesn't Purusha mean so, knowing person? Purusha means male. Male? Male. Yeah. And Uttam means um, best. The best. The yeah. best, yes. Yeah. So the translation of that is the supreme person. Yes, yeah, this is, yeah. So, Arjuna inquired, O oh my Lord, O oh Supreme Person, what is Brahman? What is the Self? What are fruit of activities? What is the material manifestation? And what are the demigods? Please explain this to me. How does this Lord of Sacrifice live in the body? And in which part does he live, O oh Madhu Sudana? And how can those engaged in devotional service know you at the time of death? So this is the first two verses. I didn't get you the Sanskrit of the second verse. Okay, let's do that before I comment on it. Right there. Uh, the second one? Yeah. Adi yagnam katham kodam dehe mati dehe smin madhusudanam prayana kalecha katham neno yasi niyat ma. So, Arjuna here is asking Krishna these questions because he can answer them, because he's the Supreme Lord. So, it's a very good thing, a very intelligent thing to ask questions of people who are qualified to know the answer, right? Oftentimes I get asked questions of things that I have no idea about and you sh I, I always have this feeling like you shouldn't be asking me these questions. Like, remember that because me and Amara are starting a business with a chai and oftentimes we come across this, this like problem where that someone asks me, what do I think about this? And I say, well, I'm not an expert, but so don't, it doesn't really matter what I think, you know? And it's, so this is, it's like a, yeah, it's, if I have a question on a certain matter, then I should ask somebody who's uh, qualified to give the answer, right? It's a common sense thing. So these are deep questions that really nobody can answer who is uh, entangled in the material world. So you have these questions that Arjuna is asking, 
it's somebody that must be outside of the material world to know that all the answers about like to know that answers completely so he asks questions like to repeat again what is brahman what is the self see people can't even see what the self is this entanglement in this maya or illusion of this world is so deep that we can't we don't even know what is the self we don't even know who we are right like that's a that's a pretty lost condition isn't it when you don't even know who you are you know so um that's one thing arjuna asks is what is the self what are fruit of activities what is this material manifestation what are the demigods because in the last verse in the last chapter he said something about that i believe krishna says those who know me as the supreme lord the governing principle of the material manifestation who know me as the one underlying all the demigods and the one sustaining all sacrifices can with steadfast mind understand and know me even at the time of death. So Arjuna is asking all these deep questions here. Um, what is the Lord of sacrifice in the body? Which part does he live? O Madhusudana, and how can those engaged in devotional service know you at the time of death? So Arjuna is asking a very qualified person, the Supreme Lord, uh, all these very important questions and of what is going on around him, who is he, what is this material manifestation, how do I become liberated in a sense from this material manifestation, or how do I, in other words, uh, leave this place and go back to my original state. So, um, Krishna, so if you had this, if you were in the presence of the Supreme Lord, those are actually very intelligent, good questions to ask. You're not wasting your time if you're asking questions like that. You know, it's kind of like, those are really important things to know. Like, who am I? You know, what is this world? All these different things. These are the type of questions to ask Krishna. So, um, a person should inquire uh, to uh, Krishna or to, if, if, if you don't have the opportunity, in other words, if you can't see Krishna in front of you, uh, you can see Krishna in front of you if you see the uh, bona fide representative of Krishna, that is the spiritual master. The spiritual master is said to be non-different from Krishna. So if you uh, ask the bona fide spiritual master, the devotee of Krishna, all these things, it's like you're hearing it from the Supreme Lord because the devotee of Krishna is said to be as good as the Supreme Lord because he's completely linked up with the Supreme Lord. So when you become linked up with the Supreme Lord, you become enlightened you know what is beyond this world and therefore you can uh, instruct others due to from your own experience and realization you can understand uh, <clears throat> all these things <clears throat> so asking Ar Arjuna here he was able to ask Krishna directly but we have the opportunity, if we find a bona fide spiritual master, to also ask these same questions and get the same result by uh, getting the answers. The Supreme Lord said, The indestructible, transcendental living entity is called Brahman, and his eternal nature is called the Self. Action pertaining to the development of these material bodies is called Karma. Or fruit of activities. So, the eternal nature is the self. 
not the temporary nature. So the uh, the body is always changing. The body you have on now is not the same body you had yesterday. It's not the same body you had a week ago. It's always changing. Uh, and like we've said many times, for those of us, for those of you who have been to our classes before, that uh, the body is completely different down to the last, completely, uh, sorry, the body you had seven years ago is a completely different body than you have today. There's not one single atom in your body today that was there seven years ago. Not one single molecule. It's all changed up due to the process of metabolism. So, um, what is that constant self? Like, what is that constant thing that's you, the self, not the body and not the mind, but the constant observer uh, going through all these different bodies and also being covered by this mind uh, so that is the self is not a temporary thing the self is an eternal living being it's not that uh, the self became uh, into existence in a certain year you know some like 20 20 years ago or something uh, the self always existed uh, this we don't we don't always we don't necessarily remember uh, before like three years old or something like that in my first memory I think I was like three or four years old but that surely doesn't mean I didn't exist before three or four years old. And uh, my mom can attest that I lived in the womb. I was kicking and screaming. Or I don't know if I was screaming, but I was kicking and causing trouble in the womb. So she knows, she, she remembered my existence. And she remembered when I was like crying and uh, shitting my pants when I was like one years old and two years old. Peeing my bed and everything. I don't remember it, but my mom remembers it. So I can at least know that I existed then, right? So, uh, that by nature's arrangement, we don't remember our last lives, but um, that doesn't mean we, we weren't there. So this eternal self, is, this eternal principle that go, is going through all these different bodies is the self. Um, <clears throat> action pertaining to the development of these material bodies is called karma. So, <clears throat> uh, a lot of times people think that karma means uh like the reaction of, of things but karma actually means action so uh things that we do uh um in connection with these bodies uh is we have some karmic reaction for so that's what karma is um or fruit of activities so fruit of activities means i'm acting for uh, so the fruit i'm, I'm trying to uh, I'm doing things in order to uh, get some fruit for myself to eat. Uh, so, or we do things in this body, in this world, we do it, we, we, we think, how, what can I get out of this? What fruit can I get from, uh, like, going to work every day and, or, or you know, um, calling this girl on the phone or, um, you know, one thing or another. We're always thinking, like, what can I get? What can I get? That's called fruit of activity. So, that's Krishna's answer there. Very, uh, the Bhagavad Gita is very uh, condensed answers. So, it's, an, it's, a, it's a conversation that, I'm not sure how long it lasted. Uh, I used to know, but I forgot the, the, how long it was. Uh, but, I think if we, if we read the Bhagavad Gita, the whole conversation, we'd get it done within a few hours. Right? Something like that. I think it would probably take us... Do you have any idea? Have you tried to read it all at once? <laughs> but it would take... I mean, just the, the... 
you know, of course not the commentary, but if you just read the, the text like we're doing, it would it would take like you know it's a conversation of something like um, 18, 1800 verses or something like that. Someone told me it was like twenty minutes or something. The conversation on the battlefield. Mm, maybe it was talking. Maybe if you just really read fast. the, <coughs> sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, if you just read the shlokas, so it's probably an hour. An hour, yeah. So Krishna's saying a, a whole lot of stuff in an hour. <laughs> We t- we've taken a year to kind of like fluff it out and we're only like halfway yeah. through, you know, not fluff it out, but I mean like, what I mean, I mean fluff out like when you have cotton that's compressed and you fluff it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So like, these, break, these break it. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. So, and whoever at the time of death quits his body, remembering me at once attains my nature of this, there is no doubt. So. You could cheat your whole life uh, doing all kinds of nonsense, but if you remember Krishna at the time of death, then you go to Krishna. Whoever remembers Krishna at the time of death goes to Krishna. But do you want to chance it? <laughs> so, um, you know, we, uh, this life is actually a preparation for death because this life is only a small thing, a very short amount of time. We think it's long in, especially in the early years, you know, when we're still in our, like, teens or 20s, we think it lasts a long time. But then you hit 30, and then you're like, 40 is pretty close. And then before you know it, 40 comes, and you're like, shit, I'm halfway gone already. <laughs> so true. And, and, and then so it's like, and then, and then it just speeds up from there, you know, it's a really fast thing. And uh, so really what we're meant to be doing is preparing for the next one. You know, and is, is the next one going to be, uh, not just the next one, but the, your future after this life. See, when a person thinks that he's a temporary being, uh, he, he, he thinks that life uh, begins at this year and ends at this year and lasts r- roughly 80 to 100 years, right? So if I'm born in 2000, I think I'll probably die around 2080, something like that, you know, 2080. The year 2080. That kind of sounds weird, yeah? <laughs> anyway, the year 2080. It seems like, you know, maybe I'll make it that far. You know, I'll be like 101. <laughs> maybe. But anyway, so you think that life is like a line that starts from here and ends here, right? And so uh, when you're thinking like, I am this body, my life starts here and ends here, then I try to cram as much enjoyment in as possible uh, in that short amount of time. So, and just like sometimes people, like sometimes I've had some friends that have died or um, I know people that know people that died and they, they as soon as it happens, they, they, they double down on their philosophy and they say something like, uh, just goes to show you gotta like enjoy every moment because you don't know when it's gonna go. You know what I mean? You just gotta like, the philosophy is I live a hundred years, I'm gonna try to enjoy as much of it as I possibly can. And because it doesn't matter what happens after that hundred years, because I'm not going to be alive anymore, right? But when you when you understand that my life is eternal, it's not just a hundred years. Then you've got to like make some plan for the future. Just like if you thought your life was only like one day, right? You'd live a whole lot differently than if you knew your life was a hundred years, right? You'd be like trying to get suck in as much enjoyment as possible in that one day if you're if you're in that mindset that I only exist for one day. 
okay, what can I fuck? What can I eat? What can I, you know, what can I, what drugs can I take? What, you know, what can I do to enjoy this day for as much as I can? But the problem is if you live more than one day, then uh, you've got like, like a serious headache. Like, you know, you've got like a lot of physical problems now probably caught some diseases, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and you, you, gotta, you gotta live, you gotta live, like, the rest of the lifetime now, you know, with this, like, with, for, because you sacrificed your long life for a uh, fleeting moment, and now it's not worth it anymore, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, when, I, when I come to the realization of that I'm eternal, then uh, I make decisions not only based on my temporary uh, situation, but also uh, keeping in mind that I'm an eternal spirit soul, so I have, I have to like take care of my eternal interest, not just my temporary uh, quick interest. So, um, you know, so that's a, 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 an important thing. And, and one thing to notice, or to note, that uh, those that are taking af- looking after their eternal interest, they're simultaneously taking care of their temporary interests. In other words, bhakti yoga is a, ple- is a pleasure path. It's a, uh, um, those who are on it experience great pleasure and happiness from uh, joyfully performing bhakti yoga. So uh, they are also taking care of their temporary interests because they're much happier than the materialists. So even if you, you did not exist after this hundred years, you would still live a way better life. <laughs> you know? So there's no loss, right? Those of us that have been practicing now bhakti yoga for a year or so, um, like, well, there's, or maybe you guys, you know, kind of early on, can you say without a doubt that this last year or two, whatever it was that you've been chanting, has been way better than all the rest of the years? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's true. So you're not regretting this last year that you, you don't feel like you have wasted it uh, doing something that you're wasting your time. You feel that this, it was worth it just on its own merit, yeah. let alone what the fruits in the future. So... Um, you know, that's, that's one thing to consider as well. So not only do you take care of your eternal interests, but you're also taking care of your temporary interests by just living a way better life. So bhakti yoga is like that. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, because it's a science on how to be happy. You, you apply certain things naturally. You uh, become happy. You feel good. Uh, everything's, you know, you feel happy in your heart. And you're living a nice, happy life that's just... That's just part of it, you know. Um, it's not like a suffer now uh, to enjoy later uh, philosophy. It's enjoy now and enjoy later. But it's a, it's a, uh, uh, we have to learn how to enjoy because right now we don't really know how to enjoy. People in general, they don't know how to enjoy. You know, they try to enjoy they get told how to enjoy by the TV and the commercials and and uh, and society and in general. They get told oh, if you do this, if you go to uh, see this concert, 
then you're enjoying life and you're living life. Or if you go to this beach, uh, you know, you're in paradise and you're, you're enjoying, you know, you're enjoying life to the fullest. But then you go to the concert or you go to the beach and you realize it's not enough. I need more. This is nowhere near enough what I need in my heart. So, um, we're thinking we're enjoying, we're trying to enjoy, but we should ask ourselves how much I'm actually enjoying. So, uh, this is uh, very important to consider and contemplate honestly within ourselves. So, pleasure is the goal of bhakti yoga. Okay. Alright, so if you want to get comfortable, man, are you okay there? Yes. Yeah, we'll just skip the Sanskrit part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. None of us understand it anyway. Yeah, exactly. It just sounds kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Alright. Whatever state, so this is a very similar verse to the last one. Last, last verse was, And whoever at the time of death quits his body remembering me alone, attains, at once attains my nature. Of this there is no doubt. And the, second, the next verse, just to bring it home a little bit more. Whatever state one remembers when he quits his body. Okay, well that's a different verse. Whatever state one remembers when he quits his body, that state he will attain without fail. So, this is an important verse. So whatever our consciousness is at the time of death, uh, we will attain to that consciousness. So, uh, if we're thinking about our attachments Naturally, naturally what happens naturally what happens at the time of death is that uh, you think about that which you're attached to just like any time in this world when you lose something you might not even realize you're that attached to it but as soon as you lose it you're thinking about it right has that ever, has that ever happened to anybody before like you, you lose something that you don't even think like your phone even you don't even think you're attached to your phone and you lose your phone or you lose your... Like, this, this is going to be funny. You know I use my ketchup bottle? Okay, I use this like ketchup bottle as like a bidet, right? I don't use toilet paper because it's bad for my butt, it's bad for the environment, and it's just dirty. So, I use a ketchup bottle like a bidet, right? Yeah. Sometimes, I stay over at somebody's house, like if I go down to the Gold Coast and I forget it. And I'm bummed. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, imagine when you're leaving your body, and uh, you're leaving this world, and you're leaving all your friends. You 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 have to die. You have, there's no other choice. You know you're gonna die. The doctors told you you're gonna die. You know you're gonna die. Everyone knows you're gonna die. Uh, naturally, you're gonna be thinking about scared to lose the, these things that you're attached to. That's what happens at the time of death. So, you become attached to other forms in this world, uh, then you take on another form in this world. That's what happens. Or you're attached to, if you're very attached to certain types of enjoyments, you take on a body that will facilitate those enjoyments much better than a human body. Like, uh, if a person's like, for example, like overly attached to sex life, 
the human body is actually not that good, uh, as, as good as some other um, uh, bodies. Like, for example, I've heard that pigeons can have sex 100 times in a day. That's a lot yeah, more than most people. Birds. Hmm? They're horny birds, like I'm thinking doves, but... It does. Yeah. Love doves. Yeah. So, so to them, um, you know, they're 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 uh, they got a desire that they wanted. Uh, so they get to live like that. They get to you know enjoy in that way. Uh, so, whatever we enjoy, whatever our, we're attached to, enjoyments we're attached to, uh, members of, for for a man we're attached to a woman, or for women we're attached to a man. We, we're thinking of a male form, we take on a male form. We're thinking of a female form, we take on a female form. So there is this, like, uh, you know, a little bit of this manifestation going on. <laughs> you know, like the, the, um, those books called, like, The Secret or whatever, about you, you, you're thinking of something and then you get that thing. Well, that actually kind of happens. You know, you think of a woman, then you become a woman. <laughs> you think of a dog, you're attached to your dog, you become a dog. You know, so we have to be, we have a responsibility in this life to um, attach ourselves uh, in a way that is beneficial for our, you know, long-term goals. So um, those who want to become liberated from this material world need to become attached to something that is not of this world, that is something transcendental to this world. And that's what is... Um, the system of bhakti yoga is also become is becoming attached. In other words, finding happiness in my relationship with God. So as this happiness grows, it becomes my life. It becomes uh, my happiness, my joy, my attachment, and uh, then light. But then at death, it's just a continuation of that, and then I, I leave this world. But if I become attached to this world, then I just remain in this world. And uh, so some, to some, you know, that's, if you like this world, then you get what you want. So no problem, you know, you should be happy about that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the problem is in this world, uh, there's all kinds of sufferings, birth, diseases, old age and death, miseries of the body, miseries of the mind, miseries caused by other living entities, miseries uh, caused by natural forces, so you've got all these things that you got to contend with as well, which are a bummer. <laughs> Plus, the enjoyment that you get is really peanuts. You know, it's really Mickey Mouse. You don't really get that much enjoyment in this world. You know, so, you know, that's one of the, one of the cool things about Bhakti Yoga. Is it, as I said, it's a pleasure process. So uh, it, works a, it works with it. You know, you, you become attached to that which brings you pleasure. That's just, you know, the nature of things. You, if you, be, you like things that bring you pleasure. You like people that bring you pleasure. You become attached to them. So Bhakti Yoga is about uh, pleasure and experiencing the pleasure of um, having a relationship with Krishna. There's no, it's not like you have to rip yourself away from the world. You just got to taste something better and then everything else falls away. And so your attachment just naturally, it's not like you have to mentally, it's not, in other words, you don't have to like, um, you know, at the time of death, you don't think about, you don't have to make an effort to think about Krishna because your whole life you've been developing your attachment for Krishna. And so, um, you know, there's no, you're not chancing it, right? But if you're, 
if you're if you're thinking okay i'm just gonna like uh enjoy this try to enjoy this world to the fullest which is not never enjoying it. it's just misery but if i i'm gonna make it, i'm gonna have this goal right i might, i heard this in the bhagavad gita whoever thinks of me at the time of death gets to go to, to me so if i hear that in the bhagavad gita uh i may have the um idea that and i had this when i first heard that um i'm gonna try to enjoy this world as much as possible and at the last minute i'm gonna think about krishna you know so um and it's possible, and it has happened before, and even by accident, and that living beings have gone to Krishna simply by uttering. There's a story of Ajamil who. There's a couple stories I can tell you. Do you want to hear the stories? Sure. Okay, so the first story is the story of Ajamil, who uh, is in the Srimad Bhagavatam, who uh, had a son named Narayan, which is the name of Krishna, uh, name of God Narayan. So uh, at the time of death. He yelled out to Narayan, his son, called for his son, and then he died in that moment. He left this world in that moment. And so, two groups of people came to see him. On one side, there was what's called the Yamadudas, who are the agents. They're really stinky, ugly, ferocious-looking beings. And they come to administer some bad karma to those that are do a lot of bad karma to get that out of the way. So especially when one, like Ajamil lives a, lived a very sinful life, uh, he had a lot of that too. So uh, these Yamadudas were like, okay, time to collect, you know, time to give this guy his due punishment so he can uh, move on to his next life without so much bad karma. So just like in your dreams, you experience things that are really, they, they seem to be very real. See, the, the Yamadudas operate on this subtle level like in your dreams. So you, in your dreams, you get like tortured sometimes in your dreams. It's called nightmares, right? You get like really tortured big time. And so you're, what, what's happening there is you're burning off some bad karma. You know, some bad karma is coming back to get you there in your dreams. And then, um, you know, you've, once that's done, you wake up the next morning, it's gone. It's finished, right? So in the same way, the Amadudas come and administer some fucking bad karma to these guys. Like it, whether it's happening in the flesh or it's happening in a dream, you're still experiencing it, you know? So it's not really any different. But anyway, that's what's happening in that situation, is the Yamadus come, right? The Yamadus were there, and they're going to come administer some bad karma to this guy, Ajumil. But he called Narayan at the time of death. He wasn't even thinking about God. He was thinking about his son. But he yelled this holy name of Narayan. So the Vishnu Dudas, the messengers of, servants of Lord Vishnu, also, they heard that, and so they came. And they had a whole discussion over who gets to take this guy. So anyway, I ended up, the Vishnu Dutz won, and he went back to the spiritual world, just from, just from yelling, just from calling out to Narayan. So the, he wasn't even thinking about Krishna. He was thinking about his son, but he, he yelled, he said Krishna's name. So that, you can get lucky like that. You know, it's possible. But he wasn't thinking about Krishna. He was thinking about his son. He was only lucky that Krishna's name is so powerful that he gets to go to Krishna. But um, do we want to chance it like that? We could name all our kids and hope that at the time of death we call our kids by Krishna's name. But, you know, that's a, that's a, a slim chance. Uh, actually, the other story we won't tell now. But, uh, so, you know, you can do it like that and you can take a chance. But the safer way is to... Um, Develop your bhakti, your, your love for the Supreme Person. 
and uh, then not only it doesn't even actually at that point when 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 a person has surrendered their life and this Krishna says this in the Bhagavad Gita later on he said he says that uh, um, just worship me live for me offer your homage unto me etc I shall protect you uh, don't worry about it do not fear I'm paraphrasing here but that's what he said and so uh, we don't even need to worry about all we need to do is make a commitment within ourselves uh, to God that I want to live for you I want to be your servant honestly not the words but this honest um, expression of wanting to be united with Krishna wanting to be with God uh, wanting, wanting to be a servant then uh, you know surrendering your life in this way then Krishna takes protection of, takes charge care of you and gives you special protection so even if you're not thinking about him at the time of death he doesn't care He's taking you with him anyway. So, so this is what a person needs to do in order to uh, um, become, uh, you know, free from this world. So a person may ask, well, why is Christ Why is it so easy? How how could it be so easy? Well, the answer is is that Krishna, God loves you, and He wants you to come back to Him. So, why not? Just like if you had a, a child who was stuck in the basement and you could at any moment pick him up and bring him upstairs, but you only leave him there because he wants to play in the basement, right? But as soon as he wants to come out of the basement, what, I'm going to just leave him there? He doesn't have the power to get out himself. I'm going to go down, pick him up and bring him out, right? Because he wants to. Right? So that's like Krishna. Krishna is allowing us to play in this material world as long as we want. But as soon as we want out, He'll let us out. No problem. That's why it's so easy. Makes sense, right? So. That's an excellent analogy. <laughs> Alright. I think that's enough. Thank you.